This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. It is the process of simplification that's connected to looking at a person. And I think that's been my creative path is simplification and connection. And that's been a lifelong experience for me, a lifelong journey. I'm your host, Casey Finey, and this is Creative Conversation, a Fast Company podcast. John Cho is at a point in his career where he can really be intentional with what projects he chooses, and his intention for his latest project was to push himself like no other role has done before. John stars as Spike Spiegel in Netflix's adaptation of the much-beloved anime Cowboy Bebop. From the physicality of the character to the show itself blending multiple genres, John was in completely new territory that pushed him to the brink of both his creativity and his body. In our conversation, John explains the clarity he found while nursing an onset injury, the acting advice that changed his perspective quite literally, and how he's returning to the simplicity of creativity. All right. Well, hi, John Cho. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm great. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to Spike right now, and that's exciting for me. <laughs> so, you know. I always love to honestly take it from the beginning with my guests and ask, you know, for you in particular, when did acting really shift into focus for you in a in a meaningful way? Well, I started acting as a lark in college, and then um, I'd done a couple of student plays and didn't think anything would come of it, didn't think it was a career. I literally didn't think it was possible to be Asian. Oh, I just grew up watching television and saw so few. I was like, okay, well, you can't actually be a professional actor. That doesn't make sense. And I I must have seen Asians on occasion. Asians on occasion sounds like a... <laughs> that's, a that's a podcast. That sounds like so. some kind of internet startup. Uh, <laughs> or sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> I must have seen Asians uh, on occasion on television. You know, but I, I must have thought that they were like... Uh, regular people who who had other jobs and did that on occasion or something like that. I, I, I'm, sh I'm sure that was my conception. I didn't think that it was actually possible to make a living from it. And um, when I was in college, uh, they um, I got cast in a professional play and that uh, was based on a very um, well-known Asian American novel uh, called The Woman Warrior. And um, it was then that I met it, the whole cast was Asian American, and that was when I thought, "Oh, this is this is a uh, possible. Uh, they're professionals, um, and uh, it was their mentoring that that led me to consider it because mm. I it didn't seem at all like a a realistic thing right. before that. I love how you mentioned you know thinking about what you're getting from a role because. I wanted to ask, I mean, is there a particular role or project that you've done that's had a significant impact on you as a creative, as a performer? I think, I, I guess I remember more of the failures than of the successes. Mm. And I'll, I, the, when you mentioned that, I, I guess it's, uh, it reveals where my brain is at uh, because I, <laughs> I go right to the failures. Um, but like in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, I don't want to brag, but I was in it. 
I mean, listen, hey, that's not a brag. That's a fact. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, like in Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, I was that was like uh, my first time starring in a feature film, and it was a big deal. And um, because it was a comedy, I was really, really trying to be funny all the time. And I was trying to deliver what I thought was the point was um, me being funny in as many moments as possible. If I were to do that role again, I think I would relax and give myself the freedom to not be funny because I was a straight man. Uh, it was Cal Penn's job to do the heavy, funny lifting, and he was better at me than that. And I was trying. I just thought it's a comedy. I'm supposed to be funny and um, it doesn't fit. And so that I think I was uptight about it. It relates to your question because I think I was trying to deliver what I was supposed to do rather than look at the page and go, this is what uh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing um, for the role versus sort of trying to please people. And it is very, very difficult to shut out the noise, especially if you're looking around and seeing a lot of money being spent and a lot of people sweating, you know? Um, and so I think that's where I'm getting at with, you know, mentioning Harold and Kumar and um, in those early days, it was very difficult to go through a scene and not think of all the, um, uh, all the consequences of how much time you were taking and uh, yeah no and that is actually an excellent segue because i want to obviously talk about cowboy bebop when you when you mentioned it's hard not to be swept up in the the pressure and the and the anxiety i mean john <laughs> you sure picked a role that has i would imagine so not imagine, I know, has so many eyes on it. I mean, you are obviously playing the lead role as Spike Spiegel in Cowboy Bebop, which is just one of the most beloved anime that I think exists. I mean, it's an easily everyone's like top five if you know anything about anime. And Yo, so you're, you're making me nervous right now. I you mean, like, <laughs> listen, I'm just saying as a fan myself, as someone who would catch this late at night, like super late at night. And one of my favorite episodes by far is the Mad Piro. That one just like still freaks me out to this day. It's so good. But, you know, I kind of want to start like, what did you connect with with this part that made you say Yes, because when I when the casting announcement came out, I was like, oh, I was like, I, I can see it. Like, it, it took me a second. I was like, John Cho, really? Okay, no, I get it. And so for you, I mean, like, what what did you connect with with this character that made you sign on for it? Um, it was less the character, probably, because it was it took me a while to sort of figure out how to approach the character. But I think it, for me, initially, it was just how absolutely unique the landscape of the show was and the elements were and um it was a kind of a genre that i was interested in i mean with the way we're playing it it's definitely an action genre but it fits firmly in the action genre but um it was so weird it was so wonderfully weird and it was such a collision of different genres that in its totality it seemed like the most dream job i could ask for in the sense that it was a mix of genres that I had always wanted to play in, you know, noir and westerns and sci-fi. And the dialogue was unusual uh, and sparkling. The, the world was completely interesting and funny. And 
Um, it, it just was uh, unlike anything I'd ever seen. And I think that was where I started going, okay, this is, this is really interesting. Yeah. And in that space of encountering material and just, you know, a, a reference point that you, that you had an experience as an actor in your very long career, I must say, um, you know, for you, I mean, I'm not trying to age you, but I'm just saying, no. like, it's like, I say that as like a, a compliment because to be like a working actor for this long, it's, okay. it's not easy. So, you know, when you have a role, like where there is such a clear reference point, I mean, this is based on an anime, um, again, much beloved and Spike is such a interesting character in his own right. So what do you take from the animated Spike? And you, the live-action John Cho, and what, like, what is that blend? Like, how do you find your center in a character like Spike? Yeah, I, I, that, that was a question I was wondering about probably the whole season. Um, and where I started, because we were starting with an anime, with a with a drawing rather than, uh, I'll compare it to um, Star Trek. Um, that was the other time that I played a character that was previously portrayed. And um, mm -hmm. for some reason, I felt it was easier to step into the shoes of a person rather than an illustration. Um, and with the illustration, with the with the anime, I uh, of course, there was a voice performance and there were lines that I was echoing. But where I started and uh, this is the first time for me to start in this place was physicality. I was like, who is um, just watching the way he walked and moved and um, where he stood when others were moving and uh, how he contrasted, um, how he moved in his world uh, in contrast to everyone else. Mm. But even then I was like, okay, the second step of that was the training. And I started to think every day during training about who is the person that can do this and what are they like in their lives when they're not doing this. Mm. and um, if that makes sense and that and that's where i started and then i started learning about the rest of the character history from our showrunner which is the journey of season one is learning w his origins and um his past that he is hiding and um so i started there and in, and then eventually it's saying the lines in the script and going where those scripts take you so there's it's some combination of all those things. And towards the end of the season, it was really, I felt that we had moved past sort of establishing things and was just trying to play the moments as honestly as I could. Right. And I'm sure you do this for every role, but it sounds like you gave this a tremendous amount of thought. And I know that, you know, while filming, you had an injury. I mean, you tore your ACL and that shut down production for a while. And so yeah. in that time, what came of that time? Because I imagine, you know, as you're healing and going through physical therapy, I would imagine that's even more time to sit with this character, sit in this world and really think think about how you want to approach it. So what did come of that time? Like when you had your injury and everything was shut down, what came of that? Um, I think I came back probably with a um, renewed, it was just a real deep commitment to the role. And I think I came back thinking about the whole of the project in a way that I typically don't. I guess it started with thinking, oh, geez, after I injured my knee, the production shut down and I was devastated for the crew. I, I know it, it sounds like I'm lying, but it, it, it really was true that the moment it happened, I thought of all the jobs that were going to 
be suspended. And it doesn't sound like you're lying. It just sounds like you're a human. Don't change a thing, John. Don't, don't change a thing. So I thought I, I think I it led me to when I came back, I was thinking about the whole thing in a way that I tended not to uh, previously. I think I was very much focused on my part when I was done, when I was starting, conditions for my performance. And I think I came back and I was thinking much more about how are we going to get through this? How are we going to make our day? Is the show going to be good? Does this episode make sense? Do these characters uh, follow from one one episode to the next? uh, I'm not entirely sure why that shift happened, um, but I think it's related to the injury and i sat there every day you know i woke up and it was all right i gotta get stronger i'm not gonna have that happen again and uh, i gotta get back to 100 percent, and if possible exceed that come back better and I, th- I think i did come back better uh than i than i started and um and i think the show of faith from netflix and our producers to suspend and come back with me it released me from the anxieties uh, that, that typically plagued me. And uh, I was like, okay, everyone's behind me. I'm going to come in confident. And um, it, I think it allowed me to think more freely about the character hmm. and to feel more freely about the character. Um, but it was really um, kind of a reason to get up every day and do the work. We're going to take a quick break, and when we're back, John explains the advice he got from fellow actor Willem Dafoe that changed his whole perspective. This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. When you think about your career, what do you think has been your biggest creative challenge? Ooh, uh, the biggest creative challenge um i think of something very small which is uh i'm gonna go to uh, I, I don't know if i'm answering your question but um many years ago i did a movie with uh willem defoe and uh, who's an actor i admire very very much um and he i told the story before but he um we were doing a scene and i have a tendency and you can probably see it in your video feed i have a tendency when i'm thinking to look askance and when I'm thinking and composing my words, which is something I do in real life. Mm. And I was doing that in the scene that we were doing. And he said, um, because I was young, he, I think he felt comfortable enough. He said, John, may I um, give you a note? Mm. And that's uh, not typical. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to technically as an actor give another actor notes. But I welcomed it. And I said, of course, of course, I'd love to know. Uh, what you think and he said um i notice you look around when you're thinking try the scene um looking directly at me and see what happens and um it was the smallest thing that was the the that i'm ashamed to say it took me years and years and years to really look at people in the eye and and completely focus and what was in Incredible about that after years of really trying to hold that gaze and look into a person was how much easier things became because I was receiving so much 
that I realized I was ignoring before. And I think if there is a single creative journey that I've been on, it is encapsulated in that is <laughs> I think when I was younger, I took pride in doing difficult things and performing difficult scenes. And now I take no pride in that. And what I try to do is make everything as simple as possible. And I try in a scene to set up things so that I have to do as little work as humanly possible to feel things hmm. uh, and to be authentic. And um, so it is the process of simplification that's connected to looking at a person. And I think that's uh, been my creative path is simplification and connection. And that's been a lifelong experience for me, a lifelong journey. And um, it is embarrassing how many years it has taken and I'm still not there and how difficult it is. You know what I mean? Because it's the simplest thing, but yeah. Right. When you got that note from Willem Dafoe, which I mean, if you're going to take a note from someone, take it from him. Um, like, did you think about like where that started for you? I mean, you, you, you said that you do it in real life and you know, something that is, uh, it, it sounds like it's always been kind of a part of who you are. Like, what would you say is at the root of that? I'm sure to some extent it's cultural hmm. that the way I was raised, you were not, uh, when you're speaking to an authority figure, you're not supposed to look them in the eye. And um, I think I uh, might have internalized that. And over the years, uh, when something's important, I tend to look away. And instead of trying very intently to connect with them, you know, and um, I wonder if it's also like something uh, when I was learning English, you know, when I was six years old, trying to compose those sentences in my head correctly and get the sequence of the words mm. right before they came out of my mouth. I think it took some doing in the organizing in the brain before I opened my mouth. And I think that might be a habit that I developed very early when learning English. Mm. Um, so that's possible. Right. But yeah, it's just a guess. Hmm. Interesting. And I don't mind taking, you know, hard turns on this podcast, <laughs> but when are you putting out new music? Um, because you had a band that is actually really good. Oh, <laughs> like I'm telling, no, it, it's listen, Viva La Union. Like <laughs> it's so oh, good, and I like I feel like it's one of those. I actually re-listened. I remember when it when you when you all first came on the scene, and I was like, John Cho sings what? <laughs> and that I actually re-listened to it in getting ready for this podcast, and it still holds up. And I know, like, you know, the, I think you had a feature of, like, uh, one of your songs was in Harold and Kumar. Um, but the whole album is really good. And it just, in kind of preparing for this interview, I was just like, does that even, is that even still a passion of his? Like, a passion, a, a passion strong enough to put it out? Because I imagine you probably still perform and sing and whatnot for, you know, the the very fortunate audience that is not me. <laughs> oh, no, we haven't played for a long time. I got sidetracked from that for years because the family and stuff and mm. the other career was uh muscling its way in um but i definitely would go back to it and it's funny man um my son is really getting into music right now and mm. i think i'm just going through a phase where i'm i think i went through a career building phase of my life and i'm like um it's uh as i said before i, I think i'm starting to think about everything creative 
in a different way where I'm, I'm not thinking about building anything. I'm just sort of following what speaks to me. Mm. And um, the reason I mentioned my, my son's music interest is probably it's reignited. It sounds stupid to say, it's just uh, reignited my interest in creating music, just finding just the simple pleasure in those two chords sound really interesting and fun together. Let's play. Yeah. Just uh, finding that sense of play. And I think I was disconnected from that for a long time and in all kinds of things. And um, I'm re-entering that phase of my life. Yeah. As you should. <laughs> becoming a baby again. I know. Becoming listen. Becoming a baby again. Listen. <laughs> I, I, I want this to happen. And Thanks. I mean, I guess all it took is just to have, you know, a son to, to reignite your passion <laughs> in music. But no, I think it's incredible. And I feel like, and, and, and I'm glad because I, I think for a lot of people, it's easy to kind of lose sight of certain passions because you just get so wrapped up in the day to day of things and building something else. And, I just love the fact that you're even considering, you know, yeah. <laughs> just returning to it because, yeah, it's something that I, I just think is so important having those having those interests outside of your core, yeah, job, your core career. So I endorse this. Make the reunion happen. <laughs> I just wrote a novel, and whoa, <laughs> it was an interesting journey because it, it's a middle grade novel, and I was trying to connect with how I felt when I was. 12 and what books were doing for me at that time in my life you know it felt i guess everything at that age feels like um it is saving you hmm. you know uh everything artistic feels like um life and death yeah. you know and yes. and i felt like those books when i was you know I, at the time we were moving around all the time and it was it felt I carried books around, uh, you know, descending stairs, reading books and mm -hmm. taking them to the dinner table. And it was like an oxygen tank. And I, I guess it's been an interesting year for me, you know, being reconnected to the vitality of art at a young age mm -hmm. for myself. And, and um, I guess that's it for all of us. We're just trying to if you're an artist, you're just connecting to things that pleased you as a kid and and um, and kept you alive. God, that sounds dramatic. Well, I mean, you are an <laughs> actor. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> what was the novel? I can't believe I missed this. Oh no, no, it's it's not out yet. Okay, it's, I was going to um, say coming out next March, uh, March twenty second. It's called uh, it's called Troublemaker, and it's about a Korean American boy who comes home. Um, after being suspended from school on April 29th, 1992. So specific. <laughs> yeah. He, he realizes that uh, the Rodney King verdict has been read. There you and go. that his city is, um, is going up in flames. So he's, uh, his father goes to his family, their family store to board it up in case there's uh, trouble on the streets. And um, the protagonist, uh, the boy, he, he decides his father needs his gun. And then finds it and sneaks out of the house to deliver the gun to his father. Mm. And uh, it's the journey of trying to get there without a car and you're 12. And that's the uh, story of the book. Well, then. <laughs> uh, all right. Adding that to my cue. Um, that sounds incredible. And 
You know, I always love ending the podcast with this question because it's just, it's so entertaining to hear everyone's answers. So considering everything that we've been talking about and just your career overall, how have you come to define creativity? I guess I would connect it to, um, I guess, especially um, now that I have kids, it is, um, if you can get to a place where it is completely free of weight, that's the place where you want to be. If it's pleasure, whether it's the coupling of five or six words in a, in a sequence that that brings a smile to your face, that's like that's where you want to get to. Um, if you're playing a scene, um, if you're playing a scene and um, you just are connected to that other person in that scene, um, and you feel intimate with them, uh, that's just pleasurable. Uh, I I guess um, for me, it's um, working very hard to get to simplicity and to where children can access it in an instant and as an adult as the years go on it's harder and harder every year to return to that place and uh i think that's our job is to work towards simplicity and purity and fun Hmm. and connection i could not agree more and yeah i I'm trying to. I I, <laughs> I I definitely try to do that myself. But oh man, John, thank you so much for this. This was such a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. That thanks for making it easy. <laughs> thanks for listening to Creative Conversation. As always, make sure you rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. And I'll see you next week.